Thank you so much for joining me this week on Teach Me How to Money. We are here with Sarah Benincasa, a hilarious comedian and author of one of my favorite books, which is Real Artists Have Day Jobs. Hey, Sarah. Hey, how are you doing? I'm good. How's it going with you? I'm good. I'm just, uh, you know, sitting here managing the hell out of my money. <laughs> That's amazing, because we're, we're going to talk about that. So last time you and I spoke, we had a very interesting conversation. We talked about wills and uh, planning uh, end-of-life plans. Yeah, um, I, you know, was certainly raised with, uh, I was raised in a Catholic household where when you went to uh, wake, you saw a dead body. So I think I was introduced to the concept of death being a real thing where everything is just over pretty, pretty early on. Um, there was a, there was no sort of mystery about like, well, is grandpa asleep? Like, no, he's definitely dead. <laughs> so I, uh, I guess that led to a, a kind of practical approach to the idea of death and certainly to the idea of having a will. Um, because I saw sometimes the stress and strain that can happen when people, debate over wills or it can cause lasting family fractures. So it always seemed to me like an important thing to take care of. So why did you decide to make a will? You're a young person, you know, you're, you're, you decided to make a will when you were in your 30s, right? Yeah, I decided to make a will because I have no idea when I'm going to die. I don't have an extraordinary amount of assets, but I am an author, so I do have intellectual property. And uh, my friend Neil Gaiman has a particular mission to help or, or to encourage authors to get their affairs in order and to have wills done, because as I have, he has seen what happens when that does not occur. But, I mean, for example, I wrote a book years ago that just got optioned for TV. And um, I that kind of seemed to sort of come out of nowhere, and it's awesome, and I'm excited about it. But it points out the fact that when you're an author and you have IP out there in the world, that you, you could die, and 30 years later, somebody could read a book of yours and love it and decide to make a show out of it. And if you haven't done your last will and testament and done all that due diligence, it could be problematic or tough for your descendants um, or the people you would like to get the money from that TV show or film or whatever to get it. So that's why it's important to me. Um, I also have a nephew now. So that is it's important to me as well that my things go to my brother and his descendants and, you know, so that it kind of pays forward throughout the family. I love that idea. I like to think that, you know, I don't have children, but I have nieces that I really adore. And I just think that I'm, I want to incentivize them to take care of me in my old age. So maybe <laughs> putting them in the will, one of you will inherit. Which one will it be? They're all going to inherit. That's the secret. Yeah, that's a really, really great way of um, of looking at it. Uh, <laughs> I think that's awesome. <laughs> well, I mean, we can, well, one of them will have to go into a haunted house to get the inheritance. But either way, I want I want the family to be engaged. I don't want the family to fight. And have you ever experienced a family argument over a will? I have not personally, but I've seen it. Uh, you know, I've seen it certainly and heard about it. 
So it's nothing that I want to create. It can be something that doesn't seem like it would ever happen, but a lot changes emotionally in a family when someone dies, and there's a lot of stress and pressure around that. So I think it's really important to avoid that if at all possible. So people like you and me, people who are funny people with a very dark sense of humor, I don't have trouble talking about, you know, death and dying because my family was always very upfront about it. You know, my parents always told me, who I was going to go to if there, anything ever happened to them, which is very grim. But I just always thought of death planning as a part of life. But a lot of people are very spooked at the idea of making a will. They just don't do it because they think, what do you think they think? Well, I think people, some people prefer to engage in magical thinking or magical lack of thinking. They prefer to think that perhaps they will never die or they simply never think about it. I think it can be easier to live one's life in that fashion. And that's fine, but you may end up creating a big mess for people, literally and figuratively, after you leave. I mean, I've been reading this book that's, I think it's called The Gentle Art of Swedish Death Cleaning or something like that. And it's this popular bestseller by this woman who I think, who says she's somewhere between 80 and 100 and she's Swedish. And I actually listened to the audiobook, which was great. And um, so it's about just getting rid of your extra stuff uh, and making things easier for people for when you die. And I don't think there's anything depressing about that. I think that's actually quite useful and efficient. I think it's a nice gift to give the people who will have to take care of your stuff after you pass away. I think it's a really great way of looking at things. I mean, I, I think that I, I always say I'm such a bleak person that I, I came out happy somehow. <laughs> and I like the idea of just getting rid of stuff and just making a, a plan. I think having less stuff and, and planning, just because you plan for the end doesn't mean the end's going to come soon. Yeah, it's true. I mean, I don't think it's inviting it. We don't really know when that's going to happen. So I think it's a sign of respect. And, you know, I would hope that if I had children that I would do that for them. In this case, it's for my parents, or if things go the way we hope they go, and you know your parents predecease you, then it would be for my younger brother and his wife and his child and any future kids that they don't have to be stressed and strain about you know, cleaning out my place and all that stuff so much. And also it, because if you are an artist, if you're someone who has, specifically if you're an author, if you have someone with intellectual property or you are a screenwriter or you what what have you um it really is important no matter your age to look into it and to take care that the royalties or the proceeds or future profits or what have you from your work will go to people you you care about if that's what you want or if you want it to go to a nonprofit a charity whatever like to get that stuff in order is a really good thing I think it's great. And I love that you're saying that when you think about things that you want to pass on, it's not just stuff. It's not just my, you know, my furniture, you know, my my gold bars. It's also, it is your intellectual property. So things that you created, it could be your artwork. Um, it could be anything that you hold dear that you think has value. You know, it doesn't just have to be the concrete things that you think you can exchange for dollars and cents. Oh, for sure. I wrote a book years ago that was inspired by a classic novel. And true to form for the estate of that author, my agent got a call about it, asking about it. And because there is a difference between something that's inspired by something, right? And like something that is a response. Right, right. Um, you have these kind of texts in conversation with each other across time. What was the book? The book was called Great. And it was a queer teen take on The Great Gatsby. So it used The Great Gatsby as inspiration 
and then tells very much its own tale. But the reason I bring it up is that, you know, authors who have estates that continue to make a lot of money, uh, hopefully have uh, custodians in charge of those estates who want to protect the legacy and who also, of course, want to make money themselves. So they will reach out about things like that. That's very, it's quite, quite normal and, and, and quite standard practice. And even if you've just published one book, it really is a good idea to make sure that in your will you have the appropriate things written that need to be there about rights to for adaptations and things like that in the future. So what would you say to someone who you know should make a will but is just too spooked and freaked out to do it? I would say don't live in a fairy tale world. Just, you know, get your life together while you're still alive. And <laughs> I would say get past your own superstitions and fears that are grounded in nothing. And instead, think about the people around you who you care about, or at least hopefully respect. Think about respecting their time and thinking about making their lives a bit easier because so what? People die. It's like, you know, the the, the concept that, this human life ends is not new. And if it's terrifying to you, to me, you need to do some personal work to figure out why you live in fairy tale land. Because I'm not saying you can't feel scared about your own death or worried about it. I, it's not like I'm like, I welcome death or something. <laughs> Understand that you need to show respect for other humans who are going to have to deal with all of your stuff after you go. So acknowledge that reality and deal with that at least. It doesn't even have to be attached to, you can divorce it in your mind if you want to from the concept of you shuffling off this mortal coil. Just think of it as something you're doing to make life a bit more convenient for someone else. I like to think that, you know, just because you're insuring your car doesn't mean it's going to crash. You know, just look at it like just you're just making a document which you can change whenever you want. It's not like you've signed it in blood and now everything has to go to your Aunt Eileen, you know. You can change it. It's a flexible document. You just want to make sure that your affairs are in order and just don't look at it as if, you know, you're signing your own ticket to doom. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I have earthquake, fire, and flood insurance in my home. And inevitably, there will be earthquakes because I live in Los Angeles. We just had one a few days ago. But, uh, you know, I don't know that there's going to be a fire or a flood. But to your point, it seems like a good move just to have that there. And a will is even more about taking care of other people. So I think it's a good thing. I think it's an important thing. I think if people had them done in their 20s, that would be great. Like, just, you know, get it done. Once you're an adult, get it done. And especially if there's intellectual property associated with you. Like, that is very very important. Unless you genuinely don't care where it goes afterwards. Unless you're like, yeah, it's fine. I'm publishing company can just get all the money or whoever. I don't care. That's fine. That's great. <laughs> I don't I don't think that's a great idea. I don't think I think ideally you'd want the, the, your hard work or your artwork, you know, to go to someone who will will care about it as opposed to, you know, some Omnicorp who will, you know, make it into breakfast cereal. Right. But if you are sort of of the mind, oh, I don't care, I'm gone. There's nobody in my life that I care about enough. Whatever. It's fine. I don't care what they do with it. That's okay. That's great. But most people are not like that. Most people do care about what happens to it after they go. And most people want it to benefit others who they love if it can. So in that case, if you're like probably 95% of authors, you should do something about it and make sure that the 
the lawyer doing your will actually has an understanding of how all this stuff goes down because it isn't just a boilerplate thing. It's the same thing as an author, as as an author, as a comedian, as an actress. Like I, when I've dealt with financial planners, I cannot deal with somebody who only has corporate clients. That's not going to work for me. I need to work with somebody who understands the up and down nature of freelance income and who understands, you know, also tax law and various different things. So, you know, find a lawyer who has worked with other people who have your particular employ- type of employment, you know? Like they have to sort of know, understand the ballpark that they're in. I think that's a great idea. There's no one-size-fits-all will. There's no one-size-fits-all financial plan. In the end, you need someone to understand you and understand, look at your life in a way that maybe you can, see all the things that you've done and accumulated and, and talk you through that whole process. In a weird way, a will is kind of a way of taking stock of all the cool things you've done. And that's a very cheerful way of looking at it. But, you know, if you just take stock of things, if you're 25 or 35, you're like, wow, I've built this house or I have this great child, you know, I mean, just it makes you really realize how much you've done and how you want the things you love to be taken care of. Yeah, I think it can be a a reflective thing to do, you know, really. and, And that can be a good thing. And of course, it can be sort of meditative and quiet and it can be a time for personal reflection. Or you can look at it just as bureaucratic paperwork that needs to get done. But, you know, there are different ways to do it. And I think you can take some pleasure, hopefully, out of out of looking at what you've accomplished. Or if you feel you haven't done enough, it can also perhaps spur you and motivate you to work towards your goals. I like that. I think that's a really neat idea. Yeah, a will as a motivating force. <laughs> Where there's a will, there's a... There's so many ways. <laughs> So uh, just tell us real quick before we say goodbye, what are you up to? What are you writing? How can we hear more about what you're doing? My most recent book is Real Artists Have Day Jobs. And I've also written books called DC Trip, Great and Agora Fabulous. If you want to see where I'm doing shows, I speak at colleges um, about mental health. And then I also sometimes do comedy shows other places. It's sarahbenincasa.com. So you can check that out. Sarah, it is absolutely always a pleasure speaking with you. Thank you so much, Lindsay. I really appreciate it. Well, I will talk to you soon. And you have a wonderful, peaceful, meditative, cheerful day. <laughs> Thank you. I would I would very much love to do that. Thanks for listening to Teach Me How to Money. Send us your questions at teachmehowtomoney at stashinvest.com. And we'll try to answer them on a future episode. If you like what you're hearing, leave us a review on the iTunes store, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Ready to start investing? Sign up for Stash and then enter the promo code PODCAST and you'll get $5 to get started on your financial journey. Stash, it's your money. Simplified. This podcast should not be copied, distributed, published, or reproduced in whole or in part. The information contained in this podcast does not constitute a recommendation from Stash to the listener. Neither Stash nor any of its officers, directors, or employees makes any representation or warranty as to the accuracy or completeness of the statements or any of the information contained in this podcast and any liability, therefore, including in respect of direct, indirect, or consequential loss or damage, is expressly disclaimed. The views expressed in this podcast are not necessarily those of Stash, and Stash is not providing any financial, economic, legal, accounting, or tax advice or recommendations in this podcast. In addition, the receipt of this podcast by any listener is not to be taken as constituting the giving of advice by Stash to the listener, nor to constitute such a person a client of Stash.